Hi everyone, this is Ada from Screw Podcast. This week we're going to run a special episode that we did called Wrestling Undetectable uh, with Adam Bueller and Murray Penner uh, from the U Equals U campaign. And for those of you who don't know, U Equals U is undetectable equals untransmittable, meaning that if you have no viral load and you're HIV positive, you cannot transmit HIV. Uh, Sadly, Adam has since passed. We did this podcast about two years ago and um, we wanted to run it again. It's important information and Adam was a really great educator in this realm with wrestling and getting people out there to understand what U equals U really is about. So please support U equals U. You can find Murray online on Twitter and get yourself some information. Here we go. You're listening to The Screw Podcast with Felicia Rose and A-Love. They're here to make you come on a journey with them as they indulge you in all their naughtiest thoughts while navigating sex with nonchalance and a whole lot of Crisco of course thanks everybody for tuning into the screw podcast you're here with Felicia Rose and a love before we get going on our episode this week I just want to put one thing to rest a viral load count does not stand for how many loads were spilled to my many vids account just for the record. So to get onto an actual more serious note, today we're going to have a guest on our podcast that I ran into through Facebook. And um, I'm, I'm actually sad I didn't run into them sooner. This person had posted recently that they are HIV positive and that they are undetectable. And I read this post that they were fired from a show because the worker was uncomfortable working a show with them. It wasn't a deathmatch show. It wasn't something where they would be bleeding. Um, it was something that obviously safety could be handled ahead of time, or at least under, you know, with my understanding. And from what I read, it was a whole lot of ignorance going on. So I reached out to said wrestler and I decided to invite him on the podcast. So first off, I want to thank Adam Bueller for being a part of our podcast today. And to keep us honest, we also have Murray Penner on from Prevention Access. He is the uh, executive director. Welcome. Welcome, both of you. Thank you so much for being on today. Thanks. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Sweet. Awesome. So first, I want to start with talking to Adam a bit about his story specifically. Um, Adam, if you, I know you're an open book and you've talked about this before, but for people that don't know you, if you could give us a little insight about, you know, who you are, what you do, how long you've been doing it, and essentially, um, you know, how it is that you became HIV positive and undetectable and where that sort of um, story lives now and how you're living your life to this day. Sure. Um, so, uh, um, as you mentioned, uh, uh, my name is Adam Bueller. I'm a Pro wrestler have been since 2004, so I'm uh, currently my 15th year pro wrestling. Um, so the the way that I found out that I was HIV positive was actually um, the tail end of the absolute worst possible year I could ever have in 2018. Um, so I actually found out while I was being treated for uh, cancer, uh, I had uh, wow. non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and um, which is actually HIV is actually what caused the lymphoma. We, we later found out, but um, I was sent down to a hospital in Indianapolis because I, I live in a very, very small town. Um, the oncologist, out, or I'm sorry, the uh, hospital that I went to in my hometown, uh, they weren't able to figure out what was going on, what was wrong with me because I was having a lot of difficulty breathing. I couldn't keep taking a <clears throat> full breath of air. I was getting winded very easily. So they sent me down to Indianapolis. 
causing the breathing issues was pneumonia, but it was a very specific type of pneumonia that is most commonly associated with HIV. So they told me, well, we want to run a blood test just to make sure. And in my head, I'm thinking, okay, go ahead. You know, I haven't done anything that I would, you know, that would put me at risk of HIV or anything. I've always been pretty careful. And then later that afternoon, uh, sure enough, they came into the room with a, uh, about a group of like five doctors. And they're like, yeah, well, we found out that you're, you do have HIV. So uh, that was a, that was fun news getting, getting for sure. Now, I, this is a very personal question, but do you have any idea how you contracted HIV? Um, I didn't up until fairly recently, actually. Um, I, I have my suspicions um, as far as where it could have come from. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I know where it didn't come from. Like, and that kind of helped me, helped me narrow it down. So um, I know it didn't come from wrestling, thankfully, because when my doctors told me I had it uh, based on my T-cell counts, and this is, and I've mentioned this on other podcasts, but it's still a terrifying thing to imagine. Um, apparently, the entire time that I was doing death matches, I was likely HIV positive. Wow, and, that's and, scary. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, everyone, when I found out, first thing I did was I made, I made, I publicized the the information to everybody on Facebook to, to tell everybody, like, hey, look, I bled in the ring with a lot of you guys. Please go get yourself checked out. And it caused a little bit of a controversy in within uh, within the wrestling industry, specifically in the deathmatch community. Thankfully, every single person that I've bled in the ring with has gotten tested, and they all came back negative. That's um, amazing. So, yeah, I, I don't know how I didn't give it to anybody, but thankfully I didn't. Um, uh, but uh, based on my T-cell counts, the only way that I could have gotten it um, was from... Uh, it would have had to have been through sexual contact. Um, I've always been a very monogamous. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, uh, but the hookup here and there has happened in between relationships. And uh, there was uh, a few times in the timeline of when I would have been single lines up with when the doctors, um, when their best guess at least was when I would have contracted it. Um, so I'm pretty sure that it, I mean, it had to have come from that because I mean, I did have a blood transfusion while I was getting treated for cancer, but you know, um, that stuff's regulated so much. Couldn't have been from that. Right. Um, nobody, nobody else that I've shared the ring with has been HIV positive. Um, so that really narrows it down to one one way I could have gotten it. So, can I ask you if what your sexuality is? Um, I'm straight, actually. actually so I, I, the only reason why I ask is because um, it's important for people to hear that. I think a lot of people were probably expecting you to say the opposite. So I think people need to understand that this is obviously not just affecting the gay community, which is a big misconception out there. Yeah, and, and it's definitely good that people are you know are aware of that too, because that was one of the questions my doctor had was you know or you know he, he just asked me straight out. He's like, "Have you had any like sexual experiences with guys or anything?" I'm like, "No, I I haven't." And they're like, "Okay, so yeah, it's it's not just a you know it's not just a thing that only affects the gay community. It it definitely affects straight people as well." So. Absolutely. And um, so since you came, so obviously that was, I think, an extremely responsible thing to do, which is to tell everybody, hey, go get tested. But obviously since then, I know I've seen you've had some backlash. Now, when did you know you were undetectable officially? And what are some of the things that you're dealing with in terms of trying to educate people to really understand what that means and what it means for you in the ring and safety and whatnot? Sure. So, um, you know, with uh, HIV contracting it, um, especially early on, um, you know, getting blood tested pretty regularly 
to check out what your levels are and everything. Um, I was I was diagnosed with it in uh, January, and I've taken I've been on Victarvi since basically since the day I left the hospital that day, and um, I, I think at most I've maybe maybe missed one day of not taking it, but I've been very religiously taking it every day. Um, and it takes roughly about three to six months from what I read to become undetectable. And I did get confirmation um, from my doctor that it is at the undetectable stage. Um, but um, as far as like the, the backlash that I've had with it, it's it's really more the stigma of, you know, everybody's still thinking that this is the 80s and 90s where um, everybody knows people have a general idea of HIV and everything. They know the bad parts of it. Um, but unfortunately, just like with everything else, you only hear the bad, you never hear the good. Um, the good part being that we've come so far with advanced, and I'm, I'll be honest, I was guilty of it too. I didn't know any of this stuff until I, I found out I had it and I did the research on my own. But um, just the, the how far that we've come, everybody knows that you get HIV, that leads to AIDS, and AIDS leads to dying, basically. Uh, what they don't know is that now we know so much more about it. We know why it was killing everybody back then. That's because we weren't catching it until it was AIDS for the most part. We didn't even really know what that HIV led to it. Then we found that out. Then we found out how to uh, how to suppress it, how to treat it. And, you know, then, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we found out about uh, uh, undetectable being untransmittable. And um, so it's just not a lot of people know that uh, because really not there's unless you're directly affected by it it's not one of those things that I would imagine a lot of people would go out of their way to learn on their own Um, but the backlash that I've had has been nothing but that it's just people that still have that stigma embedded into their head Um, where then and I've tried to educate as many people as I possibly could can on it and thankfully I have spread awareness of it quite a bit and at least in within my uh, general community and and uh, just as far as like my circle of friends and, and wrestling, um, but you know I you know like what you said I got pulled off of a show recently and the messed up thing about it is it's a show that I've worked um, where I, I had I wouldn't call it my return match necessarily since I got cancer but it was my first match back um, and I asked the promoter like a week before uh, the show I was like hey I'm feeling up to wrestling again if you can find somebody comfortable to work with me I, I'd love to you know get back in the ring and see if I can still go a little bit and it was meant to be a surprise thing well one guy in particular had a really big issue with it despite the fact that nobody else did and uh, it was basically trying to talk my opponent out of working the match with me thinking that he would be able to get it from me from wrestling which is not at all true um and uh, so since then, I'm almost positive that he's the one who's behind getting me pulled off of these shows because I guess he has some kind of like financial affiliation with them to that degree. It's a whole big ordeal that I'm kind of starting to get to the bottom of, but everybody's still kind of like um, not really coming forward with why I'm getting pulled off the shows or who has the problem with it, but I think I have it narrowed down at least. So when... You get into the ring, obviously things are going to be completely different than they were in the past. You can't do deathmatch wrestling, as you've discussed. What are the certain steps that you specifically take to, I know obviously you don't have, you know, you haven't had a match, but what are the steps you're going to take to make sure that you keep your opponent and yourself safe at all times during any match? So with that, I mean, it really just comes down to uh, making sure that that uh, everybody is aware of you know what the circumstances. Uh, 
I mean, thankfully, I do have some shows lined up coming up in the future where oh, um, cool. the show are comfortable with working with me and the promoter knows my situation and everybody's cool with it. Um, but really, it's just letting everybody know, <clears throat> like, hey, here's the risks involved. Um, you know, uh, accidental blood could happen. Um, fortunately, I can count on one hand how many times in 15 years it has happened, but it is still a possibility. So in the event that happens... You know, we, we form like a game plan, basically, you know, what to do um, if that happens and everybody be aware of like, hey, of what their role would be in that situation. So if something happens where I get, you know, popped in the lip or I bust my nose or something, the, we immediately end the match that right then and there, boom, we just go straight to the finish, off we go. Um, if blood gets on the mat, obviously, you know, we have people who were there that to, you know, who can clean it up and make sure that they know what precautions to take when cleaning it up. Um, really just boils down to just making sure that everybody is, that we all work together on it and that everybody's in the know and nobody's left in the dark. So that way nobody's really in, in any danger at all at that point. So, um, I, I mean, to me, that that sounds like not to interrupt, but that just sounds like any other match, right? You're I, the whole aside from a death match, right? The whole idea is to keep your opponent safe. So if a broken bone happens or a snapped neck or something like that, we immediately end the match and we know what steps we have to take in order to make that happen, right? So it's sort of the same idea. I mean, it's really no different. It's just in a, a match with somebody that's not HIV positive, if there were blood, then it wouldn't be something that has to stop the match, right? It's the, it's it's just a sort of tweak to what safety in the ring looks like anyways. Yeah, precisely, you know, and, you know, make sure that we, we have, you know, a, a pair of gloves for the ref just in case, you know, that sort of thing, whoever's cleaning it up, um, whether it be, like, staff or anybody else, we make sure that, you know, the, they're using the proper materials and that they, you know, have their hands covered as well so they don't get any on them. And, you know, and, and I, I try to tell people too, it's like, because <clears throat> there are people who, um, I mean, just, just on uh, my coworker uh, found this post on Facebook, um, and this kind of speaks to the general, um, I'm going to use the word ignorance, but I don't mean that as stupidity of just the general lack of knowledge, really. Um, she saw somebody shared a post on Facebook saying, um, hey, does, um, can anybody point me in the direction of someone with HIV so I can get them to bite somebody? Like, believing that you can transmit HIV through that method. But it's like, no, like, you can't get it from sweat, you can't get it through spit or anything like that. I would literally have to jizz inside of you or bleed in an open wound for you to get HIV from me. And you know, it's very unlikely, first of all. Well, and, and, that, and that's the point, right? Information helps eliminate fear, right? It helps when, when people understand what what's going on. These kind of, like, ignorance ignorances start, like, dissipating. Well, can I also ask, Murray, this might be a question for you. Now, Murray, say he does bleed on someone in the ring, right? Are there steps right. that that person can take to actually make sure that they do not now become HIV positive? Sure, so let me, I've been just dying to jump in here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's your turn, Murray. <laughs> I mean, let me just clarify one thing, and that is that, I, I mean, I think you said it um, towards the end when you were telling, you know, your story here, um, Adam, that, you know, you would have to bleed into an open wound of someone else um, to, to make that transmission possible. You know, just somebody coming into contact with your blood on, your, on their skin is not going to transmit the virus, let alone set aside that you're undetectable now. That's 
that's I mean that in and of itself makes you you know completely um, unable to transmit the virus so you know that's the first thing I want to say the second thing is yeah this is like this is universal precautions I mean we are not talking about um, anything that is unsafe or that is, hasn't been thought of. So, you know, the fact that we keep thinking that, oh, there's gonna, there might be blood on the mat and somebody could get something from that. Well, no, they're not, unless they're going to be, like, setting their open-cut arm on that or something like that. So they have to drag their wounded asshole onto the mat directly. <laughs> <laughs> or like you said, if you're going to jizz in somebody or something, but you're undetectable, so you're not going to transmit the virus. Right. So you. So listen, Adam. If you want to add a gimmick to your to your whole thing of jizzing in someone's asshole, you can do that. <laughs> I'm putting. Hey, listen. I'm a. Joey Ryan first. Nice. Oh, gee. Should we should we tag Joey? In this? <laughs> well, I see. You know, sometimes I see wrestlers. You know, put their faces in someone's asshole, and I'm like, did you check if he had HPV first? For fuck's sake, you know what I mean? Like, y'all are doing nastier shit than wrestling a dude with HIV, for fuck's sake, you know what I mean? Right. Now, say, say you do get blood in the wound. I, well, from what I know, there is a, th- a what about thing. Pat? Oh, yes. Pat. Yes, you asked me that question, and I'm sorry, I, I got Oh, no, of course. Yeah. No, that's okay. Definitely clarify all the things that, like, you need to clarify first, for sure. Sure. There is, there is, um post-exposure prophylaxis or PEP. So let's say something did happen and you bled into somebody else's open wound or open ass or whatever. Let's just say that happened. If you would at that point go to an emergency um, room or a doctor within 72 hours, you can be prescribed a course of medication that will keep you from actually seroconverting. Um, it's called PEP, post-exposure prophylaxis. It is. It has to happen fairly quickly after an exposure, right. but that is available, absolutely, and it's highly effective. Excellent. See, that's amazing knowledge. So, I mean, you know, to... The, all of the other fears and stigmas and all of that aside, there there still is a way to, you know, go back and erase what just happened, right? I mean, there is a way to, to fix it if you are exposed. So really, like, where's the fear? Is my opinion, you know what I mean? That's at least my, I'll, I, no one cares um, about my opinion, and, but. <laughs> and I, no, <laughs> I mean, and, and, and obviously I know we, um, we, we talked about, um, prep offline as well. Um, Murray, can you speak to what prep da- is as well? Well, sure. You know, that's the amazing thing. And, and Adam, you, you mentioned it. We have come so far. There have, there are now so many tools in the toolbox to, one, um, take care of people if they have become infected. So like you and like me, you know, we're taking antiretroviral medication and our, our viral load is undetectable so we stay healthy and we do not transmit the virus to our sexual partners. So that's the first amazing tool, U oh, equals yeah. U. And oh, yeah. you already referenced it, but it's U equals U. The second one is a prevention tool. Uh, it's a pill one pill a day and it's prep or post exposure or excuse me pre-exposure prophylaxis so you're actually 
it's like a birth control pill. Think of it that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You take one pill a day. You got to take it. You got to take it very regularly and consistently. And it prevents um, HIV transmission. And so, you know, if you're HIV negative and you're having risky behaviors, that is a tool that you can use. Of course, there are condoms. We all know about condoms. Condoms will prevent STIs, which the, the PrEP will not prevent STIs. So it is important to say that. So if you're worried about getting an STI, gonorrhea, chlamydia, whatever, then you should use condoms. Right. But there's all these tools that are available to reduce transmissions of HIV and keep people healthy. And there's no reason that we can't end new transmissions and keep people healthy and reduce the stigma that is associated with HIV. Absolutely. So my a follow-up question to the PrEP thing is, say if Adam were to have a fluid-bonded partner in the future, would a suggestion of yours be for that person to go on PrEP? You know, it's it's not necessary, but it is it, it could be peace of mind for the HIV negative partner. Um, I can I can say that um, I've been in relationships where that is the case. Um, for me, I know that I am protecting um, the health of others, but they need to choose whatever their you know their tool is to make them feel comfortable as well so uh, there's just so many options that people have that it's pretty amazing and it's not necessary but it's an added protection sure now Mari you mentioned that you also are HIV positive could you tell us just a little bit about your story and when that happened because I well I know it already but um, it sounds like we have an HIV positive brand new person and then somebody who's had it for quite a while so if you could explain your story a little bit to us Sure. Um, I um, contracted HIV in 1986. Um, I was, well, I, actually, I will say I was diagnosed in 1986. Um, the exposure probably happened, although I don't know exactly, about six months prior to that um, in 1985. And so, um, from a diagnosis standpoint, it's been more than 33 years. And, you know, wow. I, I was very fortunate um, in the early days uh, when we didn't have antiretroviral therapies um, before 1996 that um, I actually chose not to go in on the very, very, very toxic drugs um, at the levels that the doctors suggested. And I believe that's what kind of kept me from actually dying because some of those drugs were AZT in particular. Right. You probably heard about that. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yep. My mom, one of my mom's friends, uh, or one of my mom, yeah, my mom's friend lost their life to AIDS, and that was one of, the, I remember specifically, that was one of the things that he had been on at the, you know, toward the end of it or whatever. It was actually the only drug in the very beginning, you know, for a very long time. In the early, early 90s, late 80s that was available, and so, um, you know, I've seen, I've come through a lot, um, but as, and I got into some clinical trials in the early 90s that got me onto protease inhibitors, which is one of the antiretroviral therapies, um, earlier than when they were approved by the FDA. And I think that also, you know, contributed to me making it through to the era when you can take antiretroviral drugs and remain healthy. And of course now, you know, um, with all of the studies that have proven that um, somebody who has an undetectable viral load does not transmit the virus, 
I mean, it's become even more revolutionary in terms of the HIV treatments that are available. This is so much great information, and thank you guys for giving us all of this. I mean, I wanted to know if Adam had any questions specifically for Murray or anything that maybe you've been, you know, targeted with questions, I'm sure, before, and whether or not you have those answers is, is totally fine, but maybe somebody who, you know, we can consider a expert in the field if you have any questions that you want him to specifically answer that other people have had or whatnot. Uh, I mean, for the most part, he, uh, he pretty much confirmed a lot of what I, I had kind of done independent research on. Uh, when, I, you know, when I found out about it, in general, I usually try to find out as much as I possibly can about like everything. Like when I got cancer, I found out as much as I could about lymphoma. Same thing with this, especially. Um, so a lot of the questions that I, I had, um, basically, I just is more seeking confirmation of like, hey, this is what I've heard. Is this true? And yeah, I mean, he's, he's pretty much confirmed everything that I was even kind of like on the fence about even of like kind of waiting to talk to my doctor about and so yeah he's he's kind of just uh uh settled all of it for me basically excellent i mean like i think it's really powerful to to hear this information we've we've referenced u equals u before on the podcast you know because you know obviously i i've i've been working in pharmacy for over 20 years and seen some of these drugs come to light and see people's health change in like real time from like these new medical interventions and so it's been really exciting and um you know the the contrast of of where it was when when Murray contracted versus now, we are like, I I have a question I guess around that for you, Murray. Like, have you seen? Have you been able to see some of the kind of stigmas and the kind of, you know, misconceptions uh, in the community change a little bit around this uh, since the U equals U has started taking off? Well, that's a really great question. Thanks for asking it. Um, you know, yes, it changes people's lives, and when people. Um, come to know that, like when I came to know that I was, I didn't have to worry about transmitting my virus to somebody else sexually. It really made it so much. Um, I was, I felt so much freer, and I felt like I could live again and not worry. I think I always kind of worried that I might transmit, you know, my. Even though I was practicing, you know, what would have at that time been considered safe sex. Right. Um, still was worried that I was going to transmit the virus. So personally, I can speak that it's speak to the fact that it has happened. Um, I've seen lots of people's lives who have um, understood and, and accepted this message, their lives being changed as well. Um, unfortunately, we still face a lot of questions. And, and I'm so glad that you're having this podcast because it's it, it, it speaks to that. It speaks to the fact that there's a lot of misconceptions out there and people hear the news of U equals U and they don't necessarily embrace it and they don't make it a foundation of their, you know, of their understanding of HIV. And so uh, we have a lot of work to do in that regard and, and uh, it's what my organization works on and I would encourage all of the um, all the listeners, if they would like to take, see more about it, including you all, uh, just go to U equals U equals spelled out, U equals U dot org, and you can check out a lot of our resources, including fact sheets and more information about um, U equals U. It really is a game-changing, life-changing um, message, and it's something that really 
saves lives. I mean, talk about life-saving information. This is this is really that information. Now, I have a follow-up question. When you're undetected, so when you, I, I know that everybody, obviously, I think there's now laws around it. If you're HIV positive, you have to disclose that to any partners that you're going to have. If you're undetectable, what, is there any laws around, like, is there any difference or change to that? Or is it still, you, you absolutely should disclose? So, you know, that's a great question and a very complex question that we could do a whole nother podcast. I'm sure we could. Maybe I shouldn't open that can of worms. Yeah, first of all, laws about disclosure and criminalization vary from state to state. So I can't say, you know, definitively, oh, this is, there's this and there's that. Um, There are states that are beginning to modernize their um, disclosure and their what are sometimes called HIV control laws and um, policies and criminalization laws. Um, you know that comes with um, some success, but not necessarily all the success that we would like to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, because clearly, the science demonstrates that you know if you have an undetectable undetectable viral load, you don't transmit the virus. But nonetheless. From a disclosure standpoint, I always like to say, absolutely, you should tell people, regardless of what laws might be, right. um, regardless of, you know, you just need to give people the information that they have. But with that, you know, when I disclose, I don't disclose that I am necessarily HIV positive. I, I disclose that I am I have an undetectable viral load, nice. HIV viral load, and, and it starts the conversation, well, what does that mean? Right. And it takes it away from the stigma of HIV and puts it more on the actual science. Oh, that is. So, I, mean, I mean, there's lots of different ways people disclose, but I, I always recommend that regardless of what laws are um, that you, you know, should disclose. There are some states that have modernized their um, HIV disclosure laws to say that if you are undetectable, um, you do not have to disclose. You're not required by law to disclose. That's few and far between, mm-hmm. and I would never like put that out there right. as the information. But that, but it, it's very. Um, j- just to real quick go back, Maria, to when we were talking kind of about barriers, like. Uh, within like this campaign and getting the information out there um like you know we're very sex positive on this podcast <clears throat> and one of the things that i always um complain about on the podcast is uh very kind of normative sexuality ideas infecting the community in a sense that there's a lot of like pressure to have monogamous relationships that are very like family centered and that the idea of like providing people these kind of medications i know it's been a debate about prep for a long time is that you know we're gonna let our slut don't fly and i've always been like so the fuck what like (laughs) get your groove on but get it on as safe as you fucking possibly can and like we shouldn't be preventing barriers for that especially when we know that brothers and sisters are doing that anyway How many times do you go into your doctor's office and you start talking about sex and they shut it down, for instance, or whatever, you know? I mean, so it really, I I think part of the norming of sexuality is to talk about it more and to talk about the tools that are available to protect yourself and keep yourself healthy. I mean, if you are using U equals U as your prevention tool, 
you know, that means you're probably not using condoms, not necessarily, but probably not using condoms. And if you're not using condoms, you should be getting your your viral load tested regularly to ensure that you remain undetectable. If you're taking your medication regularly, you should be. Um, but you should also be getting STI testing regularly to make sure that you, you know, don't have an STI that you picked up somewhere along the way. Um, we we don't we don't call condomless sex anymore safe sex. We we say condomless sex versus safe sex because condomless sex can be safe. Absolutely. Uh, for HIV. For HIV. Right. Excellent. <laughs> oh, did you have a question? No, 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 no. I'm just I'm so excited about this conversation because you know we talk so much about like shame also being a barrier with like disclosure of STIs, the ability to have a conversation, and when you mentioned, like, you know, I always know brothers that, like, struggle, you know, to say, oh, I'm positive, and you're like, you know, like, I, I like the way that you gave us an example to do it, like, you know, you know, just talking I'm, about yeah, your you viral load. Yeah, it's because the taboo around those words, right? We immediately right. think sure. HIV equals a bunch of horrible men in a back alley having one big large gangbang cream pie and which is sounds like a really hot tuesday to me but anyways i know you're invited to our next one Mary. i have um i do have a question about the whole okay if you take your pill what if you don't take your pill etc etc now i as a woman have dealt with you know being on birth control and like having that responsibility what can you put to rest for rumors as far as like if they don't take it every single day at the same time blah, 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 you know is there is you know i'm sure there's like a little more window of leeway is there um you know i i, I never want to say there's leeway i right. think there um you know the the guidance that i always say is take your medication regularly right. every day it is important that you take your medication and you adhere to the, you know, what, whatever is prescribed. Um, there are on the horizon some um, longer, what are called long-acting injectables. So yeah, there are I read like about that. Once a month, for, for instance, possibly a shot that you could take to get your HIV meds. So you have to, you know, just do that once a month. Versus right. Every and, day. and these things have always improved adherence, like just like reducing and doing the combo uh, antiretrovirals. So you're like reducing the number of times a day people have to take pills or the number of pills that they have to take. Yeah. So like Adam, you take one pill a day, which has several different medications in it all in one pill, which is fantastic. I mean, I have been living with HIV for 33 years, and so I'm not quite as fortunate. I have a couple of pills that I take, but it's so much simpler today than it used to be that it's, you know, it's like every morning with breakfast, take your medication. It's it's so easy to be adherent to your medication regimen that um, there's really no reason not to be. There are circumstances in people's lives that make it tougher, um, for sure. But right. um, the, the more we can stress that, you know, you become undetectable like like you've done, Adam, which is great. Just take your pill every day and go to the doctor every, you know, four to six months to get checked to make sure you're still undete undetectable. And everything's great, you know? Um, can I ask this? It's it's in regards to access. Um, and let me ask Adam first. Did you, have you found it easy? Um, and, uh, you know, 
to get obtain access to the medications you need and seek the care health care that you needed so far it's been pretty easy um thankfully when i uh when i was diagnosed with cancer that i was able to get on because i didn't have insurance through where i work i couldn't get on it um but thankfully i was able to get on um it's called healthy indiana plan hip it's uh, state assisted nice. uh, insurance through uh, anthem so um, all my medications that I, that I had through that and big tarby is, is included in that hasn't cost me a dime so ever since i started taking it i haven't paid anything for it um so it's it's, it's been more than accessible for me thankfully um which i do have insurance through my employer now so i don't know what the copay is going to be on that yet but yeah, I've had no difficulty with getting it so far. Right. And I do know for um, Medicare um, recipients, it is a protected class drug, so access to um, or drugs, protected class drugs, so access to those is usually available. Um, Murray, do you know of any other programs that people can seek oh, out? Yes, there are a ton of programs um, related to um, if you cannot access, if you don't have insurance, for instance, um, uh, on, to get your medication, um, I would suggest the easiest way to say it over the over the podcast here is just to um, contact your local or state health department, um, and they will get you to the right programs. There is a, a federal program called the Ryan White Program, um, which is um, has been in place for a long time. Um, ironically, it's um, named after. A teenager in Indiana, Ryan White, who um, who contracted AIDS um, many many years ago. I, I don't remember the exact timing of that, and um, so they named a, a federal program after him. And it's a it's a huge program that provides a lot of medication to people living with HIV who don't have other access. Um, and so there is absolutely no reason that somebody should not be able to get their medication um, and the medical care that they need if they are HIV positive. Excellent. And if there's any other organizations you'd like to prop up, you know, please send us along an email and we'll put it out with the post as well if there's anything that you think needs um, lifting up or attention. Awesome. I'll do that. And Adam, if you have um, large co-pays associated with your HIV medication, most HIV drug companies have what's called a copay assistance program, and they will pay the copays um, through their through those programs, regardless of your income, so and and insurance status. So if you run into that, hit me up on Twitter or something, and I can help you with it if you need some help. For sure. Thank you very much. Oh, I'm so happy right now. Absolutely. This has been such a wonderful. So we're going to wrap this up, but I do want to give you both a, um, the chance to address any other things. Obviously, we'll give you a chance at the end to plug yourselves, but address any other things, misconceptions you want to put, you know, put to rest or just in general advocate for yourselves and you equals you in general. Um, first, I'll give the floor to Adam and then Murray. Sure. Well, 
Um, great question. You know, there are a couple of things that um, would be the final nail in the coffin of HIV. One would be an HIV vaccine, which would actually prevent, um, fully prevent whatever, just like, you know, measles or something like that, um, as long as you're vaccinated, um, would prevent it. So that's the first piece that is important. The second is HIV cure research is going on and, you know, the researchers are working very hard to find a way to actually eradicate the HIV, if you will, from your body. Right now, if you're undetectable, I do want to say HIV is still in your body. Just because it can't be detected doesn't mean it's gone. Um, what a cure would do is achieve the you know, eradication of it in your body. Um, yeah, the research is, it continues to progress. Uh, I'm not a scientist or a researcher, so I can't really say it's going to be you know, 10 years or whatever, but it's coming. And you're right, it's, you know, we're also seeing... Uh, like I mentioned earlier, the long-acting injectables, which are getting better and better, and there are other types of research that are going on as well. So we continue to make great progress on it. Um, I want to just emphasize sort of maybe my closing is um, that uh, U equals U is a, is a game changer. It really is. And, um, you know, one, it saves people's lives because it encourages them to get on treatment, um, we always say TLC, get on treatment, uh, monitor your labs with the L, and remain in care, remain connected to care um, as the C. Um, those three things, if you do that, once you're HIV positive, you'll live a long and healthy life and you won't transmit, transmit HIV to your, your sexual partners. That in and of itself, if we could get everyone who is HIV positive in the world or in this country um, to a... Uh, a virally suppressed sta- uh, stature, undetectable, then we wouldn't have any more any more new infections, and people would remain healthy. That's a beautiful, uh, beautiful yeah. future that we are totally going to create. Oh yeah! Because of this podcast, right here. <laughs> <laughs> I also just want to thank you all for doing this. It's great to get some get an opportunity to talk about you know. Um, the, the stigma that many people still feel, the fear that they have, the 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 real real um, you know damaging things that happen to people when that stigma is present. Absolutely, absolutely, because you know we want people to like get their groove on, enjoy some pleasure, <laughs> and do it as safe as possible. Absolutely, and and hopefully like you know people will hear you on this and invite you to spread the word some more, the good word of you equals you and and that will like light like li- wildfire across the world this screw spreading legs and spreading the good word <laughs> well right we always talk about goofy shit or we talk about my sex life and gangbangs and all sorts of fun stuff but around that let's you know we we can't forget that sexual health is very important and our conversations i mean we interweave our conversations we've talked about me getting denied for prep before for example sure. so these you know we don't always just talk about goofy shit 
However, this has been such a wonderful delight and a refreshing podcast to have two educated men on that are both living undetectable and actually fucking surviving and enjoying themselves and not, you know, ashamed. And I don't hear any, like, stigma or any kind of, you know, self-hatred in your voices. And that just makes me so proud and so happy that we're at this point in our lives and, you know, with HIV in general. So... And we're going to get you on prep, too. Hell yes, yeah. we are. Mama needs prep because she's a hoe. All right. So with that being said, um, let me give you both the platform to, you know, put yourselves over. Tell us about yourselves, how to find you online, how to find your organizations, where you work, your wrestling stuff, etc. So, Adam, you have the floor first. Uh, sure. So um, I'm uh, most active on Facebook, but I'm across all social media platforms, so uh, Facebook, you can probably find me as Adam Bueller, or you can find me under my real name, which is Adam Buell. Super big stretch for my real name. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm also on Twitter at Adam Bueller, um, Instagram at Adam Bueller. Um, I reluctantly use Snapchat, but you can follow me on there. It's just Kill Bueller Kill because for some reason Adam Bueller was taken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, beyond that, I do have a pro wrestling tea store. You're encouraged to buy some shirts from there because uh, yeah. I don't have any shirts currently because I'm broke and can't order more. Pre uh, <laughs> order wrestling tees. Uh, they're very uh, sacrilegious and offensive shirts, and that's why I sell so many. Um, nice. So you can find me on there. Uh, you can probably find me on some shows coming up soon. Uh, I'm going to be in. Uh, you're trying to go throughout Indiana once kind of momentum builds up and people see that you know, despite the fact that uh, you know I'm HIV positive, there's no reason why I can't still uh, still wrestle in a non death match capacity. But we got a few shows coming up in Ohio, uh, July 6th in Toledo, Ohio. I'm going to be for Northern Ohio wrestling. Uh, or Northwest Ohio Wrestling. The, the initials are N-O-W. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. July, July 19th, I'm uh, going to be in Ohio again for uh, first class champion, uh, first class wrestling. Oddly enough, in my hometown of Franklin, Ohio. Oof. So that'll be really, really cool as well. Coming home, homecoming show. Nice. Right. Uh, I, I don't think I wrestled in Ohio in probably like uh, eight years. So it'll be pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you for being on. And just a heads up to any promoters or workers out there, if you're willing to wrestle Adam or book Adam, please do. You just heard from Murray. You could literally lick his fucking blood and you're not going to get it. You know what I mean? I know that's a hyperbolic statement. Don't do that. That's bad news. Just don't don't look anybody's blood. It's gross. But still, you could. And it's really not a fucking big deal. So just a heads up, people, book Adam. He's a great dude and he deserves to work. I've, I've been told that even for a deathmatch wrestler, I'm pretty good, so I'm worth it, trust me. Fuck yeah. Well, we watched your stuff earlier. You do a good job. <laughs> and Murray, where can people find you at? So, thanks. Um, I'm uh, on Facebook. You can just Murray Penner, M-U-R-R-A-Y Penner. Um, on Instagram, at Murray underscore Penner. And same on Twitter, at Murray underscore Penner. Um, I'd also make a plug for Prevention Access Campaign. Nice. Um, we are really um, out there trying to get the community uh, really excited about U Equals U. You can find Prevention Access Campaign. I mentioned it earlier. Our website is U Equals, 
spelled out equals you, you equals you, uh, .org. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at PreventionAC and on Twitter at PreventionAC. So please check us out. We're also going to be at New York City World Pride at the end of June. Uh, come see us at the festival. We'll have a booth and pick up your U equals U swag and Hell find yeah. out everything you need to know about U equals U. Murray, we are totally going to see you there. Adam, you better get your ass to New York. <laughs> we need to have a screw meetup. That would be great. <laughs> well, can I ask you guys just one more question? Is it cool for people to reach out to y'all directly? I mean, you could say no, and I'll edit it out. But <laughs> is that something that you would offer in case, you know, maybe a new person that's HIV positive or, you know, undetectable? You know, people might need a person to talk to, and I always want to know if that's okay to offer. Yeah, 100%. Same with me. I, I do that a lot. I'm talking to people around the world all the time um, about things like that. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Please do. And is Prevention Access actively seeking volunteers with our organization? Always. We're always Excellent. In, in particular looking for spokespeople, you know, ambassadors that can be out spreading the, the U equals U gospel, if you will. Yes. Uh, so, absolutely. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Excellent. Wait, I had another question. Uh, uh, I have so many questions. Oh, no. We just don't, don't want to let you go. Actually, I did have one last thing to say. So since I've shared this story, obviously, I've been able to connect with Murray and Prevention Access, which is amazing. But also, I did want to tell Adam one thing that you have done and you have changed somebody's life. There was a wrestler or a person that was training to potentially wrestle. They became HIV positive but undetectable. And they, instead of pursuing wrestling, they decided to manage instead. And as soon as they saw that post that I had reshared, they decided to get back in the ring and start training again. So that's all you, boo. That's awesome. Yay. So you are out here inspiring people. Murray, you're out here inspiring people. I want to thank you both for being on our podcast. You have been a delight. And I can't wait to have you on again because you're totally stuck with us for life, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. <laughs> all right thanks guys so much for being on Have everybody be sure to follow them at everything that they said if you didn't hear it make sure you look below the links will be below and thank you all for tuning into this group thank you good night boys thanks.